If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 211 of the Yappin' Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the third day of yet another new month, as if time isn't already going fast enough, March 3rd, 2024. And also, this is also officially... The first day, I have to say, that I really feel like spring is around the corner. Unfortunately, the rest of the week, although yes, it will also feel like spring because of the amount of freaking rain we get during that season, but the rest of the week is going to be raining a lot. But today is really the first day, which really runs appropriate with what the main theme of this show is going to be like with the fun continuing with spring training ongoing in its first full week of action First full week that I really feel like spring is around the corner, though. I'm recording in the evening right now. Not as late as I was last week, but it's around in the early or so 6 o'clock hour. And last weekend, I think I was recording in the mid to late 7 o'clock hour. I got a late start last week, but this week I'm recording a bit earlier. But even now, the sun is totally gone, give or take, right about now. Maybe a little glimmer of it in the sky, but mostly gone. Would be cold, you would think, but not right now. Today, it hit a max of about 65 or 66 degrees out. Crazy. Not a cloud in the sky. Absolutely drop-dead gorgeous day. Even when I get my car washed today, I don't care if it's going to rain later in the week. I was way overdue anyway, but me and the girlfriend went out to get a car wash and just spent a little bit outside as well. It was just beautiful today. Absolutely gorgeous. And that really gets me even more in the mood for baseball. And luckily for me, not so luckily as far as how the game went, but we don't care about the results. It's just spring training. But with it being on the TV, it helped me get even more in the mood. But with that beautiful weather outside, we had a televised spring training game today for the Yankees in bright and sunny Florida, as we saw on the TV. But nonetheless, everything just blended together so nicely. Just felt like the fun was continuing on, hence the episode title, because that is the main theme today. Spring training is ongoing amidst this beautiful Sunday that we've been gifted with. I've even been speaking with a lot of people on Twitter today who live in other states, and a lot of them have said that the weather's gorgeous by them too, so I guess it was just the theme in a lot of other places. I'm sure it rained in some places. can't be beautiful absolutely everywhere at once, but my God, especially here in New York today, gorgeous day today. Absolutely amazing. It's going to cool off a little bit more during the week when it's raining. More often than not throughout the the weekdays, but today, my God, could not ask for better. I even have a short sleeve shirt on right now. It's really cool. First couple of days of March. But before we get into it also, I want to give also a belated birthday shout out on the show to my father, who just turned 66 years old. On this past Monday, so the day after we spoke last, I want to wish him a happy belated. Didn't necessarily say anything last week because, well, it hadn't hit his birthday yet. It was the day before. But now that it has passed, I'll say it. Looks absolutely wonderful for his age. 
And although me and my brother already have youthful looks about us, like I always get that I look like I'm 16, 15 years old, even though I'm 20 freaking 7, which I don't have an issue with. But if we look half as good as you do, Dad, by your age, my God, will we be blessed. <laughs> so, But also, obviously, we love you to death. Thank you so, so much for everything you do always for me and my brother Thomas. And I hope you had the happiest of birthdays. I know we had a lot of fun when we spent the day with you last Sunday at your house. And I do know, well, because you told me, that it was an awesome day for you on Monday as well, as you deserve. So, happy belated birthday to my awesome dad. I wanted to say that as well. So, a lot of cool stuff this past week. Spring training continuing with my dad's birthday and the gorgeous weather today, making it really feel like spring is coming through. And I guess the groundhog or groundhogs, there's more than one, right? I don't even really know because I never paid attention to that stupid crap. I always thought it was a hoax, but... I think it saw its shadow, which I think means early spring or something. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, if that is in fact the case, then I guess he was right. Because even though it is cooling off with the rain during the week, I mean, to get a day like this, I mean, I know March is all over the place. Typically, it's all over the place. But now we're really experiencing it. Because we get a day like today where it hit the mid to high 60s in just the first couple of days of March. So, I know some people are like, Mike, why are you making such a big deal about it being a nice weather day? Well, it actually does help me. Because I don't know if any of you really experience this out there. But for me personally, how the weather is majorly affects my mood. I know that there are a lot of other people out there who feel the exact same way and experience the exact same thing. But for me personally, how the weather is always has an effect on my mood. If it's just dreary out and rainy out like it was last night. Oh my God, when me and the girlfriend were out with her friends, what a miserable day. It was nonstop, constant rain from the start of the day, even going back to the night prior, all the way through to late at night, still misting even then. Annoying as hell. I hate those days. They completely destroy my mood, especially when it's on like a Monday or just you got to go to work and it's just, ugh, makes you want to just sit at home all day. But a day like today, Especially on a beautiful, bright Sunday. You got spring training on your TV. The game's televised. Your team's at home. Hearing everybody have a good time. Just overall thrilled to have baseball back on your television. Just makes all the difference in the world. When it's just bright, sunny. Makes you feel optimistic about everything. Not a cloud in the sky. It's awesome. You go outside in short sleeves knowing that we're barely past February. It just has an effect on me. It does. Positive effect. Which I'm always looking for because I'm tired of negativity. <laughs> so that's why, especially when it's just times to be happy, like now with baseball being back, I'm fully relishing in it. Whether you like it or not, I'm sorry. You don't like it, tune out. But spring training is ongoing, and I have my early observations, as do we all, I imagine. Obviously, the very first one... <laughs> Well, I guess I'll do the exact same thing I did last week to give you a hint as to what I'm talking about. So sit back and listen to this in courtesy of the Yes Network. Absolutely mashes that one out to right field. No doubt about it. A mistake pitch by Manning. And Soto destroys it for his third home run of the spring to tie the game at one. <laughs> oh, Juan Soto. This third home run already, by the way. He's gotten a hit in the vast majority of his at-bats, except for like, I don't know, like two or three of them. <laughs> you know what's great? Like, really funny? 
And by funny, I mean not funny. Because I think it's absolutely and utterly amazing that somebody could actually have this line of thought and believe what they say. (laughs) I've actually seen some baseball fans out there saying that the Yankees are stuck with Soto. He's not going to like it here. In fact, he's already possibly miserable here. (laughs) Well, he looks, uh, yeah, gotta say, looks absolutely beside himself. Absolutely miserable. Doesn't know what to do. Probably feels like there's no way out of this. My God, what a tragedy. Beyond tragedy. Hate to see it. Hate to see this happen to players. It's really a shame. Quite frankly, I'm at a loss for words. Miserable. I don't know how people actually, even if you're trolling and you're just trying to get to people by being a half a moron or a full on moron, I guess in this case, like, <laughs> it's probably not even going to have an effect. People are just going to laugh at you because it's laughable. So that's what's really going to happen. I just don't really understand why you would even feel the need to waste your time to say something so remarkably dumb that everyone knows is not true. <laughs> I don't know, but regardless, not to give too much attention to the imbeciles who do nothing but seek it out there, Soto continues to absolutely kick ass, just getting hit after hit after hit, three home runs already, including the one that you just heard, and the one that you heard last week on the clip that I played for the last episode. Bro is just kicking ass. (laughs) Listen, it is just spring training. The game results don't matter to me or to much of anyone, obviously, because the games don't count, so it doesn't matter. But you could still have a lot of fun with individual performances and have your observations of your own based based off what you've watched so far. And just have it get you anticipated for the regular season and what to possibly expect, at least for the most part. Hopefully, if the person's doing well. And Soto is doing the definition of that. Everybody's talking about it, even if the games are just exhibitions. It's still hard to not pay attention and especially get excited if you're a Yankee fan. Of course you're going to be thrilled. Everything you've heard about Juan Soto, if you didn't already know everything about him that there is to know, and you're seeing the start that he's getting off to, and of course you're going to be over the moon about it, especially if you're someone like me, who was a fanatic for him even before he came here, and now him being here, and he's doing this, (laughs) feels like a dream. It's a freaking dream. So you want to talk about the fun continuing? Juan Soto is the definition of said fun continuing so far. And I'm not going to say that I was right to the two people out there who somehow had an issue with this trade. I understand that some people may have thought it a tall order because they like to think Juan Soto is just going to be a rental. But I happen to be of the group who believes this guy is going to be here for the long haul. And especially if that happens, then, well, it's a trade that everybody will look back on with bliss, most likely. Because, well, you see the guy's talent. It speaks for itself. Nothing else need be said to defend him. His bat does the talking for me. So, I know it's just spring training games, but seeing him get off to this hot of a start right off the bat, pun intended, well, it is very satisfying. So Soto, I think it's safe to say, continues to lay down his intentions for this season. And the only thing I can say is uh, save a little bit for the season, Juan, because uh, we get it. You're amped to be here and very not miserable. (laughs) We got the message. We love you. Keep on going, man. But save some for the season. Spencer Jones also continues to open my eyes a bit. He continues to rake and also shows impressive outfield range, especially for a guy his size. Even tracked down another nice catch today right at the right center field wall. People forget that 
although he may, he may be slim, he's still six and a half feet tall. He's six six. That's crazy. <laughs> like, that's why whenever you get a guy like Aaron Judge or Spencer Jones, anybody who moves like that at that size, you got to be beyond impressed because think of what it's like to move around for someone that size. Most people don't do it well, athlete or not. So that's impressive to watch. So Spencer Jones continues to be an eye-opener for me as well. I see a lot. Of, I see even some people saying, oh, you think he's going to make it this year? I'd be shocked if he did for anything beyond just a September call-up maybe because, I mean, he's barely even seen any of Double A yet, let alone being able to get legitimate major league looks, especially if the team is in an intense race by chance at the end of the season unless there's a lot of injuries. Even that's shaky to me. I, I don't know. Definitely got to accumulate some more experience. But also you look at his age. He's 22 years old. So you hope it doesn't take him to like 24, 25 like it did Judge and others because the Yankees tend to do that with a few prospects that they highly value, but yet it takes them until they're in their mid-20s to get some major league looks. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with Spencer. I mean, maybe the fact that he's 22 will help out. Maybe he'll have him rise through the ranks a little quicker, especially if he continues to perform this way like he has in spring training when he goes back down in the minors by the start of the season. But, yeah, I don't... I don't. Chances are very low, in my opinion. But... Still can have fun watching him rake in spring training and showcase that glove of his. We love that. Anthony Rizzo, too. Got to mention him. Had a big night the other night, a two-homer night, one of them being a grand slam. Big Anthony serving up Tony's Pork Store's famous grand salami cold cuts for everybody. (laughs) I guess I should just make that my new thing for Rizzo whenever he hits a grand slam. I don't know. I just get a kick out of that for some reason. But yeah, that and uh, just seeing the way he's working the count again, I like what I'm seeing from Anthony Rizzo. Obviously, he is a massive X factor in 2024 after what happened to him last year. Because we saw what Rizzo can still do when we saw what he was doing in the first couple of months of last year prior to the Fernando Tatis Jr. collision. So we know what he's capable of. It just comes down to being able to execute it. And Between what's going on with him, seeing how he's working the counts and seeing the ball again and how healthy he's saying in each interview he's doing that he feels and is and how much different even the live batting practice feels when it comes to how he's seeing the ball in contrast to last year when he was saying he was seeing it so poorly and he was just completely lost, his head wasn't in it. I'm seeing those changes when it comes to him actually being at bat. The at-bats are backing up his words, which has me very, very excited because if it's a healthy Rizzo and what happened last year was a complete freak accident, so you avoid anything like that again, a healthy Rizzo, we see what he could do in the first half of last year and let's hope he picks up right where he left off from that and not the Rizzo that we saw post-collision because those were, in that window of time, the worst numbers as we remember that he has ever put up in his career. We don't want anything to do with that Anthony Rizzo again if we could help it. And that is definitely a massive X factor between having his bat back at full force, even providing balance in the lineup with the fact that he's a lefty and an effective one at that, and not to mention his glove at first base, that goes without saying. So another X factor, little early observation of mine, Anthony Rizzo looking better at the plate, and I love that. And also you got your other guys putting in the work. Aaron Judge looks pretty good. Stanton is still getting his strides in. I do know that he has experienced some booing already. I think he had one of his first strikeouts in today's game when he played. And unlike others, and listen, I know that people are going to be low on patience with him because of 
what's been going on with them the last couple of years, especially last year. But while I understand people's lack of patience because of that, I'm going to have patience with him because, listen, I appreciate the work that he so evidently put in this past winter, and I'm going to wait until after exhibition games to really give a judgment on him and where I'm at with him mentally as far as patience, tolerance, with the poor gameplay. But one thing I have noticed this spring, I have to say, is that he's putting the bat on the ball more. He has really not struck out nearly as much, and as long as he's not doing that, then I'm going to feel at least a little bit better. We all know that you always have a better opportunity to do something whenever you put the ball in play. Obviously, this doesn't apply to certain situations when, you know, you have a runner on base and you'd probably rather strike out than into a double play, for instance. But, you know, a mistake can always happen on the field, and if you're putting it in play, then anything can happen. It's always up for the taking. So you'd rather put the ball in play in most situations. And if he's doing that, then I think he's going to get some better results as it is. Now, there's a lot of concerns because of the size that he took off. Is there going to be a diminishment in power? The Yankees and Stanton himself have both said that they don't seem to think so. We'll see when it actually comes. I hope not because I'm banking on him to hit around 40 home runs again this year. So for my personal betting, that wouldn't be too great. But listen, if he averages the strikeout rate that he's had in the first number of at-bats here, there's only his first strikeout today, this spring, that he had this afternoon through 10 ABs. So if he can keep the strikeouts down to once every 10 at-bats on average, give or take, which I know is probably not realistic, but if he could do that somewhere around there, I'll take that. Because then if you multiply that by 10 to make it to 100, that would mean just 10 strikeouts every 100 at-bats. And if he plays a full season, multiply that by about 5 or 6 to bring the 500, 600 at-bats. And of course, it's not a lot of strikeouts at all, especially for Stanton. I know that's not realistic. Not a realistic number for me. still going to strike out quite a bit, most likely. It's been a theme from his whole career, being a power hitter at heart. But still, at least to start here, he's putting the bat on the ball more. I've noticed that, and uh, that's part of my early observations, and I appreciate that. I've seen a lot of pitches that he has either you know, gotten a hit on in the very few amount of hits he's gotten so far, which, as far as hits this spring, he's only got the one. But whether it be on that one hit, or even just a fly out, which he's had a bunch of those this spring so far. But regardless of what it's on, there have been a lot of pitches that I feel in the past he would have otherwise struck out on that he managed to put the ball on this time. He seems to be having a bit more of a bat-to-ball approach, which is good. You cut down the strikeouts, give yourself an opportunity to make more things happen, even if it's not necessarily a home run. And you're going to find yourself driving in a lot more runs, too, and contributing a lot more often, possibly. Just giving yourself a chance for good things to happen. And that's most of the time it's going to turn out well, hopefully. Obviously, baseball is a game of failure. So a good amount of the time, to say the least, it's not going to work out that way. But you might as well give yourself a chance to make it work out to the best of your ability as much as possible. And Stanton's doing that by putting the bat to the ball more often. So I'm seeing the visible changes and the efforts that he has put in, in other words, aside from just the change in his body, which is a ton in itself. So Judge continuing to look good. Stanton with a different approach that's very noticeable. The one that I'm not too particularly thrilled about, I'm not too particularly thrilled about how DJ looks so far. I don't think his swings have looked great. Obviously, his numbers are sort of not great. It would be hypocritical of me to 
say that I'm seeing some positives with Stanton despite how his numbers are looking, but that's that's because I'm actually liking how Stanton's at-bats are looking a bit better and the changes in his approach and even the results a bit when it comes to bat-to-ball and all the changes that he has visibly made during the offseason. Now, DJ, all he's got really coming into here is the concerns with his toe that are ongoing coming into this year, and we know the declining that he's been going through for the last two to three years. And seeing the way he's starting and the way his swing looks, really just studying his swing and seeing how it is to start here, I'm not liking how it's looking. That's the thing. If DJ's numbers were bad, but I liked how things were looking and going, then I'd still be a bit optimistic about that. But I'm not liking how his swing is looking, I have to say. So it has me slightly nervous. Obviously, I, I put very little stock into it because it is just spring training. So it's obviously not the end of the world, but just something that I haven't really liked to see of late. Not particularly thrilled about that. Continuing to go around the diamond, I think really the last infield position hit other than maybe Glaber is uh, Volpe at shortstop and keeping an eye on him. Seeing if there's going to be more strides there, and there definitely has been. Still putting the bat on the ball a ton. He has made a couple of hiccups at shortstop. A couple of errors. I mean, as long as he's learned from it, I'm fine with it. Again, the games don't count, so this is when to make mistakes if you're going to make them. But uh, I like how he's looking at the plate. I definitely see a bit of a change in his approach. The one that I'm obviously looking for the most after last year is shortening up on two strikes and going a bit more for that bat-to-ball approach like Stanton is, similarly cutting down on the strikeout sort of thing. But I'm liking how it's looking for him so far. Pretty thrilled about it. Hopefully he continues to take those steps forward and lessens those errors at shortstop a bit. Was making just a couple of hiccups there. And I mentioned most of the outfield, I suppose. You got Judge and Soto and even Grisham, who's, you know, I'd say one of the more solid fourth outfielders in quotations, really, what the Yankees expect him to be more often than not. And even more if there are injuries, per se. But regardless... He's worked the count very well. He's had a lot of good at-bats, I've noticed, which he's not noticed. He's not really known for his hitting. So I am very happy about that because you know the glove's going to be there, and it has been, especially just the other day. I think it was yesterday with the Orioles, actually. I was watching it when I was tuning in on the Yes app for a bit. I think it was the Orioles broadcast on, but I happened to tune in, and five minutes later, at the time that I had tuned in, because I was uh, I was working out yesterday early afternoon, and I was finishing up, and towards the end of it, I just popped on the Yes app to just really take a look at that part of the game, and Grisham made a beautiful, diving, all-out catch in right center field. I mean, yeah, your heart drops a little bit when a player seems to put their body a bit out there in an exhibition game, that's for sure, but when they get up and you see it's fine, then you celebrate, you say, that's freaking awesome, and this was awesome. (laughs) It was a great catch, just laid out completely. Full extension, awesome. So the glove is still there. That two-time gold glove winner is there. And if the hitting can be there too, my God, that only adds to it. And I guess the last two, really, Glaber and Verdugo. I mean, Wells, Austin Wells isn't really looking that great at the plate so far, but he's, you know, he'll find his way. I'm confident in him. It's very important to me that he finds his way behind the plate especially, and we've heard Garrett Cole and even others raving about him, so that's really good. Love to hear that. And then really just Verdugo and Torres, I guess. Verdugo, we'll get to him in a bit because there's a bit of a special situation that developed about him just today, actually. So we'll talk about that in a bit during Yankees news. 
Otherwise, hasn't done too much at the plate. I mean, he's just sort of there right now, I guess. He's definitely had his good days. It's just tough to tell because we're still early in spring training. And yes, the games are just exhibition. They don't count. So there's only a certain degree to which the players try and play the way they normally do in games that actually count. Obviously, we're talking about this with the knowledge of all that simultaneously, obviously. But he's just sort of there, I guess. I mean, he's doing fine in the outfield, I suppose. In left field, that's obviously mainly where we're going to see him. Corner outfield suits him best. Especially having to cover that much ground at Yankee Stadium. But, uh, and Glaber. Glaber hasn't been doing much with the bat of late, but he's, he still puts up good at bats here and there. I expect him to do the same when the season starts, obviously. Especially after 2023 when Glaber was the best player on that squad. Although there wasn't much competition, but even so, you still have to appreciate Glaber for playing 158 of the games last year when basically all the other starters either vastly underperformed or were out for the vast majority of the season, or at least a chunk of it. And he was just there grinding out the season and putting up the numbers that he was awesome. So I expect a lot of the same this year with even some more steps forward, maybe ironing out some uh, kinks that are still there with the glove here and there. But nonetheless... I mean, it's still early, so his back could still bounce back. The numbers aren't friendly early on here in spring training so far. But again, saying this with the knowledge that it is spring training and whatnot. He does have a few RBIs already driven in, but um, I assume he'll start performing more and more as the games continue to go on. So there's some early observations, especially those main big three that I had mentioned. Soto, Spencer Jones also, Anthony Rizzo. Some, some differences I've seen with Stanton. Judge still looking good. Main takeaways, really. And uh, Volpe as well. That's definitely another big one. But regardless, some early notes. Spring training's still going on. It's on my TV. That's really all I care about, guys. And even when I can't be home to watch it, I know there was an instance or two at work where I was actually able to just get the game up on my Yes app that I have on my phone and just you know listen to it in the background with, the, with a headphone and whatnot. Really good stuff. Just even listening to baseball, I really don't even care. Just If I can't even watch it, I'll listen to it, whatever. As long as it's there. It's just my saving grace. What can I tell you? Regardless of what I'm doing. Baseball's there. I'm automatically more at ease. What can I tell you? So that's really the long, drawn-out intro for today, I guess. Just early spring training observations that I've been making throughout the first week, week and a half here that games have begun. So it's still going on, and I'm in a great mood. I guess that's really the main idea here. (laughs) But let me know either on social media or maybe in the comments of whatever platform you're listening or watching on, whatever it happens to be. Let me know what you think about those observations, whether you agree with what I've seen and feel here throughout the first week, week and a half, or even if you disagree. Let me know what you disagree with. And just bring about reason as to your feelings if you disagree, because I can't tell you how many exchanges I've had on social media of late that have been completely exhausting. I have no problem with a good, spirited debate, or even just a plain disagreement, as long as there is sound evidence and reason and logic and true commentary and debate as to why somebody feels a certain way that might run counter to how I feel about a certain thing. But there are so many people out there, and if you're listening and you're one of these people that do this to me on social media, you probably already know who you are, and that's great. If you do feel like there's a slight chance that maybe I could be talking to you, there's a slight chance that I just might be. So, there are just people out there who just, I guess they just get off on being contrarians. I don't really know. 
but there are definitely a good amount of people out there who are just coming on my tweets, coming on my posts, or wherever I'm expressing my opinion, even on here, and they just basically tell me how they feel about a certain situation just by telling me their feelings and how they feel about this without supplying any sort of evidence and just even saying something completely outrageous that even without any evidence is just totally untrue to anybody who would just watch two minutes of Yankees baseball. And it's just annoying. I've had plenty of good debates and disagreements with people who have reason and evidence and backup for feeling the way that they feel about a certain something or a certain someone. And that's fine. I've had that so often. But if you're going to disagree with me, and I know some people are not going to listen anyway, they might not even hear this and not even know that this discussion's happening anyway. In any event, if you're going to disagree with me, please come to me with a sound and sensible argument to where I could actually have a good exchange of ideas with you. Otherwise, it's just exhausting and quite frankly, a waste of mine and your time. If I'm just being bluntly honest with you. Because that just gets to be really tiring after a while when you're just going back and forth with someone who won't listen to reason and doesn't even really have any sound logic as to why they feel the way that they do. And you just feel like you're going around in circles. I just feel like, I guess I had to get that off my chest. But anyway, that's the point. Done repeating myself. Let's move on to Yankees news. <laughs> now, unlike recent weeks, especially during the offseason when a lot usually happens, and there's a lot of rumors usually going around, roster moves happening, especially of late with all of the waiver claims and DFAing little roster moves going on, whether or not they hold on to that person again if they make it through waivers and just outright them to the minor leagues, and if they do, they've also been traded at times, like Matt Crook was for the cash considerations with the Orioles, for instance, after he was DFA'd, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. And there was one more from this past week on Wednesday, as a matter of fact. The Yankees did claim infielder Jemai Jones off waivers from the Milwaukee Brewers, and to make room on the 40-man, they designated infielder Jordan Groshans for assignment. So, if Groshans is not claimed, of course, then uh, he'll be outrighted back to the minor leagues by the Yankees. He'll be off the 40-man still, nonetheless. But... He will not be a part of the 40-man as of now because they had to make room for Jones. And very similar in some ways to Groshans in the sense that, especially in the minor leagues, he has appeared at more than one position defensively, therefore his overall designation as a general infielder. But in the big leagues, in his time up here, when he has spent time in the bigs, he has only exclusively appeared at one position, similarly to Groshans in that sense, except for Jones, it's been at second base. But most recently, at the age of 26, Jemai Jones, he appeared in seven games with the Brewers in 2023. He had two separate stints. He hit 200, went two for 10 with a double, three runs batted in, a walk and a stolen base. Spent the majority of the season in AAA, though, with a slash line of 268, 413, and 466. Average on base and slugging percentage, obviously. 71 runs, 28 doubles, three triples, 12 home runs, 48 RBIs. So not... And so on and so forth. So, um, and it was that was in 103 combined games with Oklahoma City and Nashville. So, mainly appearing at second base defensively, and even had some outfield appearances 18 games in the left and 13 games in right. So, he's definitely got some versatility overall, especially with the number of appearances in a number of different positions in the minors, despite his exclusive appearances at second base in the big league so far. But having someone like that in your system could be good in case you need him. That's definitely what this is. 
I would say another depth piece. So it can hurt. That's what Groshans was going to end up being anyway. So just a swap for a couple of infielders, I guess. That's what it is. Swap on the roster. And if Groshans comes back here, then you'll have them both in the system anyway, except one is on the 40 and one is not. And they could end up still doing a similar thing with Jemai Jones that they have with Groshans and so many others in the last few weeks when it comes to roster claims and DFAing and outriding off the roster and whatnot. Or outriding AAA, rather, if they clear waivers. But we'll see what happens. But this is the latest in the saga of many of these instances in the Yankees' continued acquisitions of depth by these means. So, yet another one this past Wednesday. We also had some more roster moves today. And you start to see things like this more and more as spring training continues on. You'll see this more and more as the Yankees get closer and closer to trimming down to that final roster, that final opening day roster. And already a start today, only about a week or so in, about uh, seven, eight days after the first spring training game begins. But they have already optioned Yoendris Gomez and Luis Heald AAA And they also reassigned Chase Hampton and Art Warren to minor league camp. Chase Hampton, of course, one of the higher-touted pitching prospects in the entire Yankees minor league system. Definitely sent back down to continue his work, as well as Art Warren. And a lot of people were surprised by Luis Heal at first. Not so much by Gomez, but Luis Heal, obviously, because people expect him to be an important part of the depth for the rotation in case things fall apart again. He could possibly be a name that you see slid into there, at least staying on the 40-man roster. But it could be to just continue to get additional work, more so than appearing in spring training games as at the rate that he was or had the potential of doing going forward as they continue to near that opening day roster as the season gets closer and closer. So they definitely want him to continue getting in that work, I would say, because he still has a lot of additional ramping up and preparing to do coming off of the major surgery that he is. Obviously, it's Tommy John surgery. It's the biggest surgery that there is, maybe except for some complex shoulder surgeries for these pitchers. A lot of ugly surgeries they could get that keep them sidelined for a long time. But Tommy John is definitely the one that's most devastating, in my opinion. And he's coming off of that. And that requires a lot of delicacy and a lot of preparation to come back. So, I'm fine with this, so long as he's an option down the line even if it's not for at least the first couple of months. You know, he's got to get his work in. He's got to get ready to go. So don't rush it, because then if there's another problem with this, and that could really be detrimental and rather dark thought and, to say the least, not encouraging at all for his career going forward. So just take your time with Luis Heal. It's fine. It's all good. Just see what happens with him. But I'm good with him being optioned this early. And again, you're going to keep on seeing this more and more as spring training progresses, because that's what always happens is they continue to shrink down that roster until the final product for opening day. So we'll see. And the last piece of news, since again, not too much happened this past week, and it's only been a week since we last spoke, so only so much could happen in that time, not tempt fate or anything. But last piece of news, I did allude to this slightly before when it comes to Alex Verdugo, but unfortunately we do have a new injury on our hands. Holy crap! (laughs) I know. I know, but there is actually a bright side to this, and the bright side is that it's not even that bad yet. I say yet because that's as of now. We have to be very careful with how we talk about and tempt these Yankees injuries, but obviously yesterday, Verdugo, as I alluded to before when I talked about him and there being news with him, but 
He got hit by a pitch in the leg yesterday. And unfortunately, even though he was put into the lineup for today originally, I'm guessing things were different when he arrived at the stadium, at the park today, because after the lineup was announced, he was scratched from it because of a leg contusion on his left leg where he was hit by the pitch yesterday. So, usually contusions, just like a bruise, so... It's very possible that he could just miss a couple of days, and obviously since it's spring training, you don't want to push absolutely anything because while it's important to get ready for the season, the games don't matter. (laughs) And you're doing so much more for seeing live at-bats, even outside of just the games, and you're getting the work in anyway, so you don't want to push unnecessarily, especially because the games don't count. So if it is a matter of just getting over a little bit of a thing, and if it just results in missing a couple of days, I'm... I'm cool with that. It's whatever. Sit him down. Get him better. That's what's most important. Much more important than anything. And if it is just a contusion, if he's staying off it and then he just comes back fresh, it really shouldn't be anything more than a day or two. That's what you hope for. So hopefully the next time they plan on putting Verdugo back in there, he's ready to go and it's really just a little hiccup. That's what you hope for. And if nothing else happens with that leg, it's just a contusion. That's what it should be. So... A little bit of news and uh, not great news because the second you hear about injuries when it comes to the Yankees, obviously your heart sinks to your big toe. But in this case, at least to start, knock on wood, it uh, does not seem to be a big deal at all. So that's the deal lays with Verdugo. You hope that it's a quick thing like it should be and that we don't need any more holy craps from Frank Barone as a result of it. So that's the hope. We'll see what ends up happening. Everybody else stays healthy. That is, of course, the main goal. In spring training, aside from just generally ramping up and getting ready for the season, right? Staying healthy, just stay on the damn field. That's what you pray for at night. Every night before you go to sleep, you pray to the baseball gods during spring training. You say, just keep my roster healthy. Anyway, time to move on to our next segment. I guess I'll just call this segment Spring Training Game Takeaways, because this isn't necessarily weekly recap like I do during the regular season when I go a bit more in-depth into each game to talk about what happened in them and the big takeaways, but I don't go as in-depth here because obviously there's spring training games. No one cares about the results, just maybe the individual events that happen with each individual player. And obviously because the games don't count, my intention is not to keep you here for 20 minutes talking about games that are exhibitions, so I'm not going to go through it like I usually do. A typical regular season weekly recap where we talk about the prior week's games and what happened in them. Usually each spring I just go through each game's major things that are worth talking about. Some noteworthy things, just brushing through them real quick. And otherwise just keep on moving on along here. No no need to really go into an in-depth recap here and put everybody to sleep with games that don't even matter. So... Since it's not a full-on regular season weekly recap-esque segment, I'm not going to bring back the Time Machine sound effect just yet. You're going to have to wait till the regular season to hear the return of that sound effect each and every week to recap the games. But just brushing through them real quick, going back to last Monday, because we were able to talk about the game last Sunday. So, we do not have to go over that one again. But with Monday... The Yankees took on the Twins at GMS, George M. Steinbrenner Field, and they did end up winning 9-2, so even though the games don't matter, obviously you like to see the results like that still nonetheless. Nestor Cortez started the game, that's really the big note pitching-wise, two and two-thirds innings, he gave up seven hits, 
And he did only give up two runs, didn't walk anybody, struck out four in that time, so that's pretty good. But did allow a lot of base runners, allowing them to reach base on hits. Some things were a result of the defense behind him as well. Got some soft knocks given up at times as well, so not fully his fault. But a lot of guys reached base against him. Other than that, though, he still fought his way through. It only gave up two runs, so it's whatever. As far as the offense, that was the main story in the game, I would say. Because the Twins got off to a hot start in the third inning, putting up two runs right away. But then uh, after that, the Yankees did literally the rest of the scoring because the Twins did only put up those two. Juan Soto, two-run double. And then the bottom of the fifth, Jace Avina with an RBI double. Put them up 3-2, to two, the Yankees. And then Glaber Torres with an RBI single of his own. And then way later in the game when the big leaguers were out of the game, you had Elijah Dunham with an with a two-run double of his own and then a three-run homer by Viva. So that's awesome. Your beats putting in the work. So the Yankees won that one 9-2. to Then Tuesday they played Tampa on the road. And starting that game for the Yankees that day was Clark Schmidt, actually. Did not look brutal, but uh, two innings, two hits, one run, and two strikeouts did not walk anybody. And the one run that he did give up was in the bottom of the second on a RBI single. An RBI single by Johnny DeLuca. So at that time, it was one nothing raised before Jose Rojas of the Yankees in the top of the fifth put the Yankees on the board, tying the game at one. Then Rene Pinto put the Rays back up 5-2 to two in the fifth. Anthony Volpe tied the game at two in the sixth on an RBI triple. Diving attempt in right field on a shallow line drive. And it got past the Rays' right field at the time and went all the way into right center field. And it ended up with Volpe being on third base and having driven in Brendan Lockridge to tie the game at two. So Volpe getting a spring training triple. But then the Rays would add on two more in the sixth and seventh, one in each, and would win four to two. So Clark Schmidt doing okay, I suppose, in his two innings of work, and the Yankees just putting up two runs, one of them on an RBI triple by Volpe being the big takeaway, I suppose, and that'll be all really for that game. No game on Wednesday. They were off, and Thursday... (laughs) Talk about a boring game, my God. This game ended in a tie. (laughs) So nothing, nothing after nine innings. And they didn't even bother to do a tenth inning. But Clayton Beater started this game, pitched three scoreless innings, walking one, giving up three hits and striking out four. So the strikeout stuff was good because Beater's got some good put-away stuff, that's for sure. But uh, he seems to lose the strike zone a bit at times. But whenever he got into a jam, like in the second inning, I believe it was, he... Seems to wiggle out of it okay. Kept them off the board. Showed some good promise, but um, you just got to get a hold of the strike zone a little bit more. Tends to be a little bit wild at times. Loses it a bit. But other than that, Ian Hamilton came in, pitched two scoreless innings of his own. Marinaccio, I got a lot to say about him after this outing today that he had in today's game. But uh, shockingly pitched a scoreless inning of his own, giving up one hit. And then after that, Tolian Misevich pitched as well. Everyone was scoreless. Yankees only got two hits on the night. This is a night game, one by Stanton, one by Volpe. And that was it. Game ended in a tie. Friday's game, it was 8-4 to four Yankees over the Blue Jays. Garrett Cole started the game. And it actually kicked off with a two-run shot by Daniel Vogelback, who actually really, I think he really showboated the home run, really liked to watch that one fly out. Garrett Cole, I know, did not appreciate that, nor would I if I were in his shoes because, I mean... You're appreciating a spring training home run. <laughs> Just trot the bases, dude. What the hell are you doing? It's spring training. 
<laughs> so that put them up early, but then the Yankees answered right back in the bottom of the second when Everson Pereira hit a two-run nuke of his own to left for a spring home run this year. And then this was also the, uh, yeah, this was the Anthony Rizzo two-home run game, the first one being that grand salami into right center field, an absolute bomb. So that made it 6-2, to Yankees jumped out in front, Blue Jays scored one in the top of the third, and then in the bottom of the fourth, Juan Soto hit his second spring training home run. So this is the only one I have not played a clip of yet, because <laughs> I played the first one last Sunday and then the third one today, because it happened today. So this is when he hit his second one when the Yankees were up 6-3. That made it 7-3. Rizzo with his second home run of the night on his two-homer night made it 8-3. And the final was 8-4. So, uh, yeah, and I know that Cole, it was a bit of an unusual start, but they do this in spring training sometimes. Cole still managed to go two innings, even though he was taken out in the first to get a breather. Did not seem happy about it, nor would I be. But he came back out in the second and had a better second inning. But his final line was two innings, four hits, three runs, one strikeout, no walks. Not great, obviously, but it's spring training. Who cares? And we know it's Garrett Cole. Yesterday, with the Orioles, the main takeaway in this game, I would say, other than the Yankees losing 7-3, and uh, the only runs they put up were way late in the game in the ninth inning when they were down 7-0, when uh, Caleb Durbin and uh, Brandon Lockridge put three runs up on the board via a Durbin sack fly and a Lockridge two-run single. But the main story, especially mostly throughout with this one, was how Stroman managed to bounce back because in his first spring start, he got knocked around a bit. Sure, he did have an unearned run on his final line in his first outing, but this one was a nice bounce back. Four shutout innings, not walking anybody, only giving up two hits and striking out three. So a solid bounce back for Stroman, had a really nice outing, and... This game had a decent amount of Oriole regulars in it, too. Cedric Mullins, Adley Rushman, Ryan Mountcastle, you had O'Hearn, you had Austin Hayes. So, you had a decent amount of regulars in this lineup. So, nothing to downplay too much. Nice job by Stroman. We know that the Orioles are probably going to be a thorn in a lot of people's sides in 2024, barring catastrophe with their own roster, probably. So, that was nice to see. It's a good team to really bounce back against and really restore a lot of confidence in. And pitch well against when it comes to Stroman. Obviously, the only Yankees rotation addition, which I'm not a big fan of because I feel like, obviously, I've said it more than enough that I feel like the Yankees need one more higher echelon starter. But for being the only acquisition this offseason when it comes to the starting rotation, if there is going to be a team that I'd like for you to show me you could do well against because they're going to be, there's going to be a lot of competition against them this coming season, it is the Orioles. So. Definitely a very nice choice of team to witness Stroman bouncing back against. (laughs) But most of the runs were scored off of Morris, Cody Morris, who the Yankees obviously got this past winter. But uh, not expecting much out of him, and he did not have a good outing here in one inning, three hits and five runs, two walks, and not good. And Nick Ramirez did not make much easier himself coming in and pitching an inning in two-thirds and giving up two more runs himself. So, not a memorable game against the Orioles yesterday, but it's fine again, spring training, whatever. And today, 7-2 to loss to the Tigers, so the Yankees are 4-4. Four and four. Again, not that it matters with the record, but 4-4 four and four in spring training so far. Big takeaways for today were the fact that Nestor came in And he had himself a nice bounce back when it came to giving up the seven hits. Granted, yes, he got some soft hits off off in the last time, but 
had a solid outing in this game, other than giving up a solo shot in the first inning of the game today to Andy Banez. But other than that, he was fine. I mean, he looked really good. He featured a lot of his good old tricks again, like dropping down and really fooling some lefties, striking out three. Good use of the slider today. The cutter looked really good. Pretty good velocity on the fastball. And that solo shot was the only run and hit he gave up in four innings today. So, solid start for Nestor. like to see that. Caleb Ferguson came in, who obviously the Yankees got from the Dodgers some weeks ago. He didn't look great. Got into a jam right away to start the inning. Almost got out of it, but then couldn't quite wiggle out of it. Gave up two runs. Not directly. They were charged to him after the pitching change, and Mauricio came in after him. But, um, but nonetheless, the base runners were his responsibility, and he couldn't wiggle out of it. And uh, the two runs were charged to him. So, not necessarily great by either of them there. We got to see Poteet a little bit. And then um, comes the man that I have a lot to say about. Uh, Ron Marinaccio. I know he pitched a scoreless inning in his prior outing, still giving up a hit, but um, still not particularly thrilled, to say the least, about what I'm seeing from him as far as his at-bats. Um, it's quite evident to me that a lot of the issues that we have seen or we had seen throughout the vast majority of the 2023 season where he just could not locate for the life of him. It seemed like every at-bat was as excruciating a process as pulling teeth for him in 2023. Every at-bat was just a chore. Having no control over his pitches, drawn out at-bats, getting hit hard. And it just seems like, especially in today's outing, we're seeing a lot of that same difficulty. And we even saw it when he was put back down in the minors last year when things got so bad to a point. And to see that a lot of those problems are still existing after an entire winter passes right into the next season in spring training is a little troubling. I got to be honest with you. So I'm not at all thrilled about Marinaccio. If he continues to get opportunities in spring training, I hope, I just hope that he continues because the Yankees plan on him being a part of the bullpen again in 2024. So I hope he shows signs of turning something, anything at all around. Because if he keeps this up, well, he's going to, He's going to get himself released at some point, honestly, because you can't be having this thing happening out of the bullpen again this year. It was just such a travesty the way he fell last year. I have never seen such a rapid decline and a fall off a cliff the way I did with Marinaccio in 2023, the way we all saw with how effective he was out of the bullpen at one point, pitching an ERA into the ones at one point. Well, it seems like he lost control of his stuff or the league figured him out, maybe a little bit of both, but it seems like it's a lot of self-infliction, these struggles, because he just can't locate at all. When he loses control, I mean, only guys like Aroldis Chapman lose control worse. I mean, it gets that bad. It does. Walks the ballpark, gets hit hard, hits guys with pitches constantly. He totally loses it. It's like, it looks like he's never pitched a day in his life. Really crazy how someone could fall off like that after the way he started. My God, how important he was to the Yankee bullpen at one point. And now we're talking about the potential to be possibly released if it gets to be such a bad point again at one point or another. My God. Just brutal today. Brutal. Didn't even record an out. Three walks, two hits, and four runs hit by pitches. Walks the whole nine. Very similar to to what we saw 
2023, and that just makes me very worried. I know it's just an outing. I know it's spring training. I even had one person say, oh, it's just two innings of spring so far. Okay, so we're just not going to pretend like we didn't see this exact same thing for the vast majority of 2023 to the point where he even had to be put back in the minors and it was still happening there. People have got to stop neglecting the truth just because they might personally like somebody. I mean, my God, I even had a debate with somebody else this week when it came to who is more valuable and who is better for the Yankees in 2023 between Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres. Not saying Aaron Judge put up bad numbers in 2023 for the times that he did play. As a matter of fact, to still hit nearly 40 home runs with the few amount of games that he had and the amount of games he missed, very impressive. And who loves Aaron Judge more than me? He's my favorite modern-day baseball player. So you know I'm being fair and objective when it comes to this. But my God, are you going to sit here and act like Glaber Torres did not mean more to the Yankees and Aaron Judge did in 2023? Someone who put the numbers up that Glaber Torres did that year, last year, and playing 158 games? It's just a complete denial of the truth if you feel otherwise. And again, like I said before when I was ranting and getting off my chest about pointless debates before, exhausting. Just these people, I guess they like players to a certain extent. And again, this is me saying that before about Glaber and Aaron Judge as someone who loves Aaron Judge to death. And it's not meant as an insult towards him at all. It's not an attack on him for how he got hurt. I know it was beyond his control. It was a freak thing. It has nothing to do with any of that. Just proving the facts, stating the facts, who was more important and more valuable and more present for the Yankees last year. It was Glaber Torres. And it's just two innings for Marinaccio this spring. It's not just two innings. We saw this for the vast majority of last year. Why are you neglecting to mention that? I just don't get people, man. They can't see past their own emotions. And Listen, I get like that too sometimes, especially in the moment. I'm a passionate person. I get it. But when you've had some time to sit back, dial back, and look back at it with as level-headed of an approach as possible, I mean, come on. You can't be saying, oh, Marinaccio's got like an endless leash and it's just two innings of spring training. No, no, no. A lot of these same problems last year and in the minors, and now we're seeing a lot of the same traits, especially today, after a whole winter to work on things. That doesn't worry you at least a little bit? Even if you are a big fan of his, come on, let's be reasonable here. That's all I ask for. You don't have to crap on the guy. I'm just asking you to be reasonable and acknowledge the truth. Even if it is just one outing or two innings, what I don't care. <sighs> Other than that, like I said before and played with the clip before, Juan Soto had another home run today. We love that. You know, focus on the positive a little bit, I suppose. And then Rizzo looked good again at the plate today. RBI double of his own again, but the final was 7-2. to So those are your takeaways from the game overall, aside from the major observations and takeaways that we went into earlier on in the show. But that's really what happened this past week. When it comes to what the deal is with the games this coming week, following through to next Sunday, in case you're curious of knowing, again, I just got done last week talking about how there aren't a lot of night spring training games, and typically there aren't. But I gotta be honest here, Major League Baseball is doing a stellar job at making me look like a complete moron here. Because last week, I said that going into this past week with two night games in a row. 
usually never happens, let alone two nights in a row. And now, this week, first game I mentioned you here as to what's coming up this coming week, tomorrow night's a night game. <laughs> Again. That's oh, funny. And then another one on Thursday. My God. So I guess they're just having more night spring training games this year, which I appreciate. Gives people more of an opportunity to watch if they want, or even just tune in more closely if it's at night outside of typical working hours. But tomorrow night, the Yankees are playing the Marlins at their park over in Jupiter at 640. It is not meant to be on radio or television at all for the Yankees, but it is meant to be on the radio for the Marlins, so not really going to be much access to much of anything for tomorrow night's game, but we'll see how that goes. 6.40 p.m. again, tomorrow night, Monday the 4th. Tuesday, the 5th, the Yankees actually play the Mets in Port St. Lucie. And this game's actually going to be on ESPN. So, if you have ESPN and you want to watch it from a national perspective, well, you can watch it there. That's where it'll be. Monday at 1.10 p.m. So, I'll be at work during that. Try to tune in at least audio-wise whenever I can. But uh, also, pitching matchups. I forgot to mention this. Monday is Clark Schmidt. Tuesday is TBD against the Mets. But again, Yankees-Mets, 1.10 p.m. Tuesday. It's exciting. Wednesday, the Yankees return to George M. Steinbrenner Field to face the Rays at 1.05 p.m. It's said to be that this game will be on Yes, so you should also be able to access it on the Yes app. If you are not at home, like I won't be at work. So, if you are at work like I will be, you could access it there most likely. That's March 6th, Wednesday. Thursday, another night game at George M. Steinbrenner Field, again against the Tigers like it was today. This says the Yes app where it's available to watch. I always give the watchable options during spring training because it is a topic of discussion because you can't watch every spring training game. Not all of them are televised. So I like to let people know when they can and can't watch during it. So you can watch on the Yes app, apparently, on March 7th at 6.35. Eastern Yankees Tigers at George M. Steinbrenner. Friday the 8th, 1.07 p.m. game at Dunedin, Florida. Yankees and Blue Jays. And it says this game will be on the Yes app as well. So if you, if you have the Yes app, then tune in on there. I know a lot of people have complained about more Yes app issues. If you've listened to me or followed me across anywhere... For at least the last couple of years, you'll know that the last two years since the Yes app came out, I have always had massive issues with the Yes app. I constantly complained about it on social media, here on this show. But I have to say, at least for me, I am very happy to report for myself, at least, that the Yes app this year has been very good for me this year. I don't know what changed. I don't know what the deal was. I don't think I did any updates with it, or I'm not sure if there were any updates automatically for it. I don't know. But all I know is that this year, thankfully, it's been much better for me to use. So the fact that it's an option for me again is really cool. Saturday the 9th, the Yankees will be playing the Twins at their park in Fort Myers at 105 Eastern as well. No options to watch or listen for the Yankees, unfortunately, that day. And when we talk next, next Sunday on the 10th, it'll be Yankees and Braves back at George M. Steinbrenner Field at 105 p.m. Eastern. The game should again be on Yes. So I'll be able to watch next Sunday afternoon yet again as I did today. So those are the more in-depth takeaways from this past week's spring training games and what is to be expected as of this next week with the games and which ones you can and cannot watch and or listen to. Last but certainly not least, as always here on the show as we usually do, let us finish off with the 
social media segment. Now, I'm very excited to do this. I'm only going to read out a few questions because I usually spend a good amount of time answering each one, so I'm not going to read out a ton. I do thank each and every one of you who left questions, as always, though, whether or not I do get to them. You know, I appreciate it to the ends of the earth. But I'm doing this for the first time in a long time. I've not done this in months. Part of that's because most of the offseason consisted of me doing episodes only every other week. But nonetheless, we're doing, for the first time in months, a Q&A segment. You ask, I answer, instead of the typical other way around. So... I'm looking forward to seeing what people have to ask me just about a week into spring training, give or take. Let's dive right in and not waste any time. First up, we've got at Matthew54027550, and they ask, Do you agree with the projections for Stanton in 2024? They average under 400 at-bats, 26 home runs, and about 68 RBIs. Definitely hope he has more RBIs than that. Obviously, that total means that they expect him to get injured at one point or another, as Brian Cashman himself so eloquently put it over the offseason. But regardless, yes, I did see these projections. Um, Obviously, under 400 at-bats would be pretty disappointing. Um, To see him still deal with a great deal of injury problems, despite the work he's put in this offseason, would suck. Uh, 26 home runs and 68 RBIs in that time. I guess it wouldn't be bad for that amount of time missed, but yeah, overall, missing time like that and having those as final numbers, I'd say that's pretty underwhelming. I, I'm i hoping they're better than that. If you're making your predictions and you feel like it's going to be more of the same, then you would definitely agree with these projections. I think that's pretty safe to say. But I'm betting on more. I'm trusting in Giancarlo, man, even if a lot of people disagree with it or think I'm nuts. I'm throwing in on him, and I am betting a lot on the fact that he has a solid bounce back, man. So because of what I'm thinking, I'm disagreeing with it because of what I'm predicting from last week. I'm still sticking to it. It's a bold prediction. Many might even call it stupid or foolish. That's fine. But just to reiterate from last week, I'm anticipating him to play at least 145 games, so the at-bat should be a lot more than that total that's projected. 145 games, and back to hitting around or at least 40 home runs. A lot of people might call that stupid, but I'm trusting. I am trusting. So me personally, because of the trust I'm putting into Giancarlo for 2024, I personally disagree. At Yankee Ken asks, chances Nick Birdie makes the team? I I don't think very good. (laughs) Another bullpen guy, he missed a lot of years from 2021 to... 2023, when he came back with the Cubs, he spent the first three years of his career from 18 to 20 with the Pirates, and then he didn't return to the big leagues until 2023, to where in three outings he pitched to a 9 ERA, because in three innings he gave up three runs, all earned. So not too much big league experience at all within the last five years. And in one of his outings in spring this time around, didn't look too great. His most recent outing against the Orioles yesterday, he pitched a scoreless inning, only allowing one hit and a walk, and he did strike out three, so he did allow a couple of base runners. But uh, yeah, I think it's just another one of those guys that just, you know, goes out there for a few spring outings, and then you'll probably see him return to the minor leagues and only return if the roster is in dire straits. So 
probably doesn't make the team. I'd say pretty good chance of that. But it could be wrong. Who knows? Anything could happen throughout spring training. Someone could get hurt. Things could get derailed. I mean, who, who the hell knows? But no, I would not hold my breath. <laughs> Next, at Cashman Sucks NYY asks, What do the Yankees need to do to win the World Series this season? One more starting pitcher, my man. That's what I've been saying for a while, and I'm still sticking to that. I like how the lineup looks, especially when you see the times when Verdugo's leading off, for instance, or maybe you're seeing at the times you get Volpe to lead off, and then you have Soto, Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, Stanton, DJ even mixed into there if he's on his A game. That's a lot of devastation right there. So, I mean, I'm liking how the lineup's looking. And you're talking about a lot of people who can come off the bench who could possibly even do damage as well, as you've seen Trent Grisham do it at times. A lot of other potential bench guys like Oswaldo Cabrera. You've even seen Everson Pereira go deep the other night. A lot of potential bench guys that you could see that could have an impact if if Peraza sticks around. I mean, it's really baffling what they're looking to do with him. But, I mean... Who the hell knows? A lot of talk about him being in the minors again or possibly being on the bench or, you know, whether or not he could even stay healthy. Which, of course, is the problem right now because we haven't seen him play for a few days now because he's been going through some tightness in his shoulder, I believe it was, if I remember correctly. Just, uh, yeah, in his throwing shoulder. So, I don't know, man, because he's had his injury troubles too the last couple of years, so... I don't know. Peraza's future is so up in the air. I mean, everybody can just sit here until the cows come home and talk about whether or not they should have gotten rid of him at an earlier time. Maybe you should have traded him when his value was at his highest and you could have gotten something good back instead of holding on to him. I mean, that's the frequent talk with the Yankees and a lot of their prospects. Um, But Peraza's really up in the air, to be honest. And we hope to see him back in the next couple of days. People keep talking about the game against the Mets in a couple of days, but we'll see. But the point of this whole discussion is that I do feel like the main starters for the Yankees with the starting lineup is devastating. They even have some people who could potentially come off the bench and do damage if need be. The issue with me is still the rotation, the starting rotation. The bullpen may be a tiny bit, but they have a lot of arms out there that I am completely confident with. And I don't have as much to worry about. And things can go really well if, like, Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez hold up with the starting rotation. Because at that point, it's Stroman, who I'm pretty sure will be out there. Yeah, he dealt with his injury troubles in 2023, too. But, I don't know, I, just, I feel like that he could stay out there. And I, I feel like he'll get past his injury issues of last year. I feel like he'll actually be durable this year. And Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole. So... Like I said, it really hinges on Rodon and Nestor. If they're out there and they're healthy and they're pitching really, really well and really holding up the rotation, it really hinges on them. If things go south with them, you're going to see how ugly it gets for the rotation and fast. So if things work out with them, though, then it's a pretty solid team, man. It really, really is. But just really want that final starting pitcher to really make things feel extra secure with that starting rotation. That would really make me feel confident in even a potential World Series, to be honest with you. I like this roster for the most part. I really do. Maybe something will happen at the deadline. Who knows? I mean, guys like Montgomery and Blake Snell are still out there. We don't know what's going to happen with them. 
But uh, it's getting late early out here when it comes to signing. And you know what? Real quick, also want to say, while we're here and mentioning Blake Snell, shame on Scott Boris, man. Talk about misreading a market and greed getting to you. My God, the original outrageous ask that nobody even came remotely close to asking for. What a misfire in what he was expecting for Blake Snell's market. Nine years, 270 originally. And the Yankees, who still reportedly the only team to even offer any kind of an offer, with that six years, 150, or five years, 150, something along those lines. And it sounded as if Blake Snell and his camp were almost insulted by that. But where has anybody come even remotely close? I hear the Giants are interested in him, but hey, even so, tomorrow is March 4th. And if you're Scott Boris, your client who just won the National League Cy Freaking Young Award, is still unemployed. You could do your best, as is your job, and also you get a piece of the payment as well, uh, a chunk of the prize, as they say, I guess, But uh, or maybe it's just as I say. It was a weird expression to come up with there on the fly. But nonetheless, you get a piece of the action, of course, if you're Scott Boris, if you get the most possible money for your client and whatnot. I get how it all works. But my God, I would say at this point, Scott Boris has failed his client. Spring training. Well, yes, you could also get this while doing live at bats and and doing many other things outside of just playing the games and getting your ramping up that way. But my goodness, I mean, it is March 4th tomorrow. We are well over a week into exhibition games having began or begun in spring training. And your client who just won the Cy Young is still unemployed and missing vital ramp-up time, not even having a team to call home as of yet. That's not good, and that's not smart, and that is also not good for business, not good for the game. I have said time and time and again that, that I think while Scott Boris has done a lot of good for a lot of his clients, there are also a lot of times where he is not good for baseball, and this Blake Snell instance is easily one of those times. Talk about misreading the room. My God. How embarrassing for him. Completely misreading Blake Snell's market. His greed rearing its ugly head. And it's resulting all of that in his client being unemployed. Multiple days into March now. Where the vast majority of players have a place and a team to call home. And are getting ready for the regular season. Blake Snell doesn't have that yet. And he just won the Cy Young Award. It's a joke. Scott Boris really dropped the ball on this one. I don't know how much longer the Blake Snell saga is going to drag on or even how much longer someone else like Jordan Montgomery is going to go on sign. It's very interesting. But I can't believe it's still going on. It's crazy. You keep on hearing these Jordan Montgomery to Red Sox rumors, which, yes, would be crushing as a Yankee fan. But with Blake Snell, I mean, you keep on hearing, hey, yeah, he spoke to the Yankees, maybe reached out again, or the Giants are still very much in, but... I mean, how much longer, man? It's March 4th tomorrow. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. Silly. But not to get too far off course, which I definitely got on that last question, my friend. Sorry about that. But yeah, that, that was my ultimate answer when it comes to what the Yankees need to do to win the World Series this year, in my opinion. Get one more starting pitcher to just make that starting rotation feel extra secure. At Laura underscore Icemond asks, which player are you excited to watch this season? Well, of course, other than Judge, it's got to be Juan Soto. (laughs) Come on. It's got to be Soto. 
how amped I've been about wanting the Yankees to get him and him actually being here now and seeing how he's doing. Oh my goodness, it's got to be Juan. Seeing how he actually does in the regular season actually begins to. I just, there are no words. There are no words to describe it. And also just being really excited if the Yankees can, or well, they can. It's just a matter of whether or not they're willing to hold on to him for quite possibly the rest of his career, which they better damn well do. But, I mean, you got to imagine he's also going to be playing even harder than he already usually does because next year, we all know he's going to hit free agency. That's how Scott Boris rolls. Yes, in case you didn't already know, Soto is another Boris client. But you just know because he's expecting the big money next offseason. He's probably going to get it regardless. But to get even more, you know that since this is really his moment when he hits free agency, he could finally make that crazy, stupid money over a long period of time, many, many years into the future. You just know that this year there's a very good chance he's going to be playing even harder than he already ever has. It's going to be awesome. So for all those reasons combined, along with the fact how much I just love the guy and how fascinated I am by him and how thrilled I am that he's a Yankee, it's got to be Juan Soto. Other than Aaron Judge, it's got to be Juan. has to be. And I want to see if Aaron Judge can stay on the field the entire year this year after having that unfortunate freak accident happen with that cement slab underneath that bullpen gate in L.A. last year. That it sucked. Really sucked. Up next, we got Rebecca at Peace Now for Life asking, What do you think the ideal lineup should be? And who's on the bench for the Yankees this season? Can't wait for the season to start. Well, yeah, I've, I've already, a few weeks ago, I gave my ideal lineup. I mean, the... The leadoff spot as of right now is interchangeable. I mean, you could flip DJ, Verdugo, Glaber, Volpe. You could flip a number of guys into there. But let's say for now that the Yankees are intent on at least starting the season with DJ, which it seems like when a lot of the big guys are in the lineup, it seems to be what they've done a lot with the lineup this spring so far. So assuming it's DJ, I would imagine something along the lines of what I would do is probably... DJ, Soto, Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, Stanton, Verdugo, or maybe Verdugo, then Stanton. Stanton's got to be 6 or 7 until he works his way back up, if he even could, because the lineup's looking really good right now. 6, 7, and then I guess like Wells 8th, and then Volpe ninth. I guess that would be the ideal, because if Volpe's not leadoff, then at least have him ninth, so he could set up for the leadoff and the remaining guys after that. But um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a little bit different if... DJ's not leadoff, but if you're going to lead off DJ, I guess that's my lineup as of now. And then it all depends on how many hitters and how many pitchers they're going to go into opening day with roster-wise. If they go in with 13, or let's say, yeah, 13 players on offense as of now, at least four more. I'd say definitely at least Oswaldo Cabrera, Trent Grisham, maybe even Everson Pereira. And if you were to choose one more... I mean, if Oswald Peraz is healthy, then maybe him. But then you could also have, um, if he has a good enough spring, maybe Vivas cracks the roster. But yeah, I guess that last spot could be up for debate. Um, oh, well, not, not actually, to take that off, you need a backup catcher, obviously. My bad. So, Trevino. So, that's probably all, to be honest. That's probably what I would do. That starting lineup of nine, and then... Obviously, like Trevino or anyone else you want as backup catcher. I mean, it's it's got to be Wells and Trevino being the pairing. And then 
Got your starting nine, and then Oswaldo Cabrera and Trent Grisham. It's probably my 13 if I had to choose. There are other backup options like Vivas or Pereira or Peraza if he's healthy, but I mean, it's all going to come down to uh, a couple of those, a spot or two could be dependent on how certain people do in spring training. We'll have to see, but that's that's what I would do. So just take out Vivas there, and you have to have the backup catcher, obviously. So that's what I would do. Who's on the bench? Who's in the starting lineup? Who basically makes it offensively when the final roster is all said and done? That's probably what I would do. But in any event, yeah, I can't wait for the season to start it too, of course. About two weeks in or so into spring training, that's when I start to ache for games that actually matter. Obviously, I'll still be excited that any and all baseball is on my television. That does not change, but I will start to ache for games that actually matter, ultimately. So I definitely hear that. All right, who do we got? Who do we got? My good friend James at Rebirth Chaos 09 asks, which pitcher can the Yankees add to give them depth? Because we all know depth is important to get us through the season. And when Dominguez comes back, who will be the odd outfielder out? Good two questions. I mean, depth to add to the starting rotation, I imagine you're talking about. I mean, I've said since, I mean, near the start of the offseason that I'd like for them to trade for Shane Bieber. I've been saying that forever. To add one more arm to the rotation. And before it starts, it could be Montgomery and or Snell. Or I would say just or. Not both are going to happen. But, yeah, I'd say any one of those three, I suppose, for depth. Or something could change if something happens at the trade deadline. Someone else is having a good season that nobody's even thought of or spoken about yet. And that could be a hot topic come that time. But those are the big three that are on my mind right now. Especially my boy Shane Bieber, even though it's not going to happen. I already know that. And Dominguez coming back, who will be the odd outfielder out? I mean, of the three out there right now, I mean, it's it's Verdugo, Judge, and Soto. It's It's got to be Verdugo. You're not sitting Judge or Soto. <laughs> I mean, I guess on certain days, if need be, Boone can rotate the outfield around and make certain others DH, but then somebody else is going to need a day off because then you also have Stanton who's going to be DHing more often than not, most likely. He'll, he'll probably get some outfield reps and then you could DH somebody else, maybe put Stanton right and then DH Soto because Soto's mostly known for his bat anyway. So they could figure out a way to finagle it when it comes to giving certain guys off or DHing other guys on certain days or, I mean, if unfortunately there's an injury somewhere, that'll open up a spot too. So maybe nobody will have to be the odd outfielder out, but... Yeah, if you're just strictly talking about who will probably be in the outfield more often than not amongst the three being Verdugo in left, Judge in center, and Soto in right, you're probably having Verdugo be the odd one out. But then what do you do after that? I mean, there's a number of things you could do. You could get Stanton a bunch of reps in left field and then have Jason in center and Judge in right and DH Soto and Verdugo's on the bench. Or you could have, oh my God, there's a bunch of different scenarios. I'm turning my brain around right now. You could have, you could even have Jason trying for some reps in left if you're down for that, um, and then having Judge in center and Soto in right, or you still DH Soto and put Stanton in right because Stanton can play right field too if you're comfortable with him out there. And if you need him, obviously you have Trent Grisham on the bench too, mainly for center field. But I mean, you could you could shift so many other different scenarios around. It's crazy, and you're probably going to see. Every one of these potential scenarios, at least once throughout the regular season, especially once Jason comes back, but especially when he returns, yeah, there's going to be a bit of a jam out there. But listen, that's a good problem to have. You'd rather 
an overabundance of actual outfielders than not having nearly enough and having an experiment or two out there of like an infielder trying to play the outfield like the Yankees have tried to do a bunch the last couple of years at least of the recent past. So it would be a good problem to have, but it's really interesting when you think about what would have to be done. They probably wouldn't have had to have made any other moves at all, like the Verdugo trade or anything, if Jason weren't hurt to begin with. But obviously they need somebody out there and they need a solid outfield as much as they possibly can have it until Jason's ready to go. And you're still hearing June, possibly July for him, maybe a little sooner if things continue to go as quickly as the Yankees are making it sound like they are. But yes, so many different scenarios could play out. More often than not, it sounds like Verdugo will not be a part of the outfield very often if and when Jason returns. I'm not sure. But uh, those two scenarios that I mentioned before, just two of many that are popping up in my head because you could do many different things. You even DH judge some days if you want to get him off his feet, Jason in center, and Soto in right, and Verdugo in left. Or if you want to sit either, or if you want to DH one of Verdugo or Soto, put Stanton out there. But please, the, the scenarios go on forever. There's so many different things you could do. But just strictly judging from the three mainly out there, again, it's got to be Verdugo, the odd one out, if you had to answer that question. So I hope that answers it, James. But there's a lot of uh, different routes you could go down there. So it's a, a lot of in-depth thought. Tina at Mountain Gal 456 asks, I know the Yankees have not played a lot of games yet, but what do you think so far when you see the lineups, and what would you change or add to the team? Well, adding it would be another... Another pitcher to the starting rotation, even though Nestor and Rodon both look pretty solid for the most part to start things off. Definitely better than last spring. But still would like to add that one more starter just to be extra safe and secure. As far as the lineups, I always feel great. feel absolutely great. I mean, it, it depends because, you know, as of this point in spring training, and it gradually grows as it progresses, of course, but as of right now, still in the beginning stages of spring training, the starters go, don't go that deep into the games, really not any further than four innings as of now, usually. And only about half the lineup, or maybe three-quarters of it-ish, at most, is consisted of your regular starters with a few minor leaguers thrown in there that are really not going to be on the team come the regular season unless there's an emergency or just things come collapsing down for whatever reason, like a house of cards. But, and then they don't even last the whole game. They get subbed out eventually a few, in- few innings into the game. So, it's hard to really judge when it comes to what I feel about the lineups, but when I look at a lineup and I see how much of it consists of the actual regulars and I get a sense for what order they might go with, I feel good because I think a lot of them, all those names together, especially with the addition of Soto, who changes absolutely everything, I'm just confident with the lineup. I am. I feel good about the lineup, and the only change or add I'd really make is to add to the starting rotation. And that's really about it. At B. Welch 1943 asks, My question is, when will they clear out Glaber Torres? <laughs> I'm glad you left a reply, dude, because this happens to be the person before that I was talking about that has a really weird gripe against Glaber Torres. I don't get it. It's got to be a troll at this point because, I mean, not only did Glaber actually have a very respectable season last year and was the single most reliable Yankee on the team last year, but... There really aren't many other better second base options out there because especially offensively, I understand he still has his occasional struggles defensively, has a few base running gaffes, which is not great to watch. I get it. I am very objective about these things. I'll mention his faults. Most people come with faults. That's just how it is. But especially offensively, not many other second basemen you're going to find who are better. 
guy puts up solid numbers, especially since he started to come back and resurge a bit in the last year or two, ever since his sharp downturn in 2020 and 2021. But, I mean, that's really turned around. I mean, if, if you want to get Glaber off the team so badly, which I cannot possibly understand your weird fascination with wanting him off this team, well, there's a chance it could happen next season if the Yankees don't extend him. Because he's hitting free agency if that doesn't happen. After this season is over. This is his last year of service, and he is an unrestricted free agent as of next offseason if they do not extend him before then. So you might very well get your weird fantasy becoming a reality as of then. I don't understand why you would want that. Glaber does come with his faults. Sometimes it doesn't seem like his head is fully in the game. I get that, and it's irritating when it happens. I don't want to watch that. You don't want to watch that. Nobody wants to watch that. I get it. But still, nonetheless, I mean, as far as second basemen go, especially offensively in particular, who else are you looking to get that's like vastly better than him? Especially at the plate. Like I, I just don't get why you'd want him gone that bad. I don't get it. There are so many other worse players the Yankees have had in the last few years. It's actually astounding that your eyes are set on Glaber Torres after his last couple of years of resurgence. I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. Ever since he was steered away from shortstop, it has been vastly better. And this is not an opinion. These are facts that are proven with numbers and data that I have given so many times since the end of the season in defense of Glaber Torres, particularly when it comes to his offense. I don't know what else to say about it, but again, your desires to get him off this team and any of anybody else who badly wants to get him out of here, that's really based off of emotion. And especially when it comes to, from an offensive standpoint, it's not really based off of statistics or facts or logic. Because if you were to point to those, you would see that, especially as of the last year or two, he is a positive force to have in that lineup much more often than not. Everybody comes with their faults, guys. Everyone. But what do they provide on an overall basis is what it's really about, especially in a year like last year where there was no offense, and Glaber was really one of the only sources of it, if not the only. Gotta remember that sometimes. That's hard to find a lot of the time. All right, last two. As always, because I can't pay much more attention to things like that. It's exhausting, as I said before. It's a waste of my time. First up of my usual final two is, as always, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And she says, what are your predictions for Stanton this season now that he's made some changes preseason? Do you think that he'll stay healthy throughout? Yes, love me some Stanton questions. All right. Well, you know I'm buying into him with my predictions from last week. So I'm predicting positives. I think he'll play in a lot more games. I like his bat-to-ball approach that we've seen in the spring so far, as I mentioned before. I like the changes I've seen. The results are not quite there yet as far as getting more hits and having the numbers increase as far as the early part of spring training now, but it's still very early on as of yet, and the games obviously don't count. But I do like the difference in approach and body type. What he was saying to the media a lot, saying that he feels he's strayed away from what it means to actually be a baseball player and... It's really evident the hard work that he put in. So I just, I appreciate it. And I hope it really has the positive result that he and the Yankees are expecting for his sake, for the Yankees' sake, and for the fans' sake too, for everybody's sake. And I do think it'll help him stay healthier throughout. I don't know how healthy. If he misses time again, I don't know how long it might be. If he does, I hope it's as short as possible. But I hope it helps him to stay healthy. 
I hope it does. I'm buying in on it. I mean, I'm having him play at least 145 games. So with that being said, he could afford to miss a week or two and still hit that mark. But we'll see. I'm hoping it keeps him healthier. Last but not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, I realize you may have answered my question during the show by the time you read it, but here it goes. Well, that happens a lot, Mom. It's okay. <laughs> it's bound to happen when I basically do all my talking before the social media segment, and it's saved for last. But my question is, how are you feeling watching these guys play since spring training started? Also, how concerned are you about DJ contributing this year? Do you think his career is nearing an end? Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you for asking the question, Mom, and thank you to all of you, of course. It definitely goes even without saying. But, yeah, I know you're asking this because you heard me talking about DJ earlier when I was watching the game on television, but, yeah, like I said before, uh, overall, I'm feeling pretty good watching the guys. I feel like they put up a very good amount of runs in more games than not. Uh, whenever the pitching tends to give up a lot of runs, it's usually the lower echelon guys who are probably going to be down in the minors once the season starts anyway. Um... The starting rotation, I've liked how it looks more often than not. I'm not worried about Cole's outing or outings because I know what to expect of him. But other than that, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. I'm liking what a lot of the lineup is doing. I don't have really much of a problem with it. But yeah, DJ is one of the ones I'm probably most concerned about because I'm not liking the look this spring. I don't want to repeat myself too much from before. But I think you could definitely bounce back once the season starts. Obviously, it's just spring training. But, yeah, I'm not liking how his mechanics are looking so far. Not a big fan. I hope he changes it. But out of all the people who could bounce back this year or just continue down a a bad path of decline, DJ's probably the one, if I had to say, as much as I love the guy, I love DJ. Absolutely love him. You guys should know that. For years, I've talked about how much I love DJ, and I hope he gets back to that 2019-2020 DJ if possible. But, I mean, he's not getting any younger. In his mid-30s, he's going to be in his late 30s before we know it. And he's shown nothing but declining ever since after 2020, really, which is sad because the start of his career here was such a banger. It's crazy. But I don't know. Because of the continued decline in certain parts of his mechanics I've seen this, seen this spring, I'm a little concerned about it. So I'd say the concern is definitely there. Scale of 1 to 10, I might say like a 7 because I'd like to think he could bounce back, but I've just seen things I'm not a big fan of. Actually, some news just came out. I just saw the Yankees' PR department tweeted this out. The Yankees reassigned catcher Josh Bro, catcher Ben Rice, and right fielder Joey Gerber to minor league camp. And they also outrighted Jordan Groshans. It's funny. We were just talking about it before. Off the major league roster and onto the roster of Triple A. All right, so there you go. That literally just came out a little bit ago from the Yankees' PR page. So there's more roster moves right there. So more reassigning to minor league camp as these moves continue to happen now they'll keep on happening as spring training goes on like they always do and Groshans looks like he is able to stay in the organization was not grabbed off the 40 man but back to AAA so yeah a lot of depth down in AAA a lot of guys that weren't taken so a lot of the waiver claims are still here as well as the guys who were not taken as the depth adding continues with the Yankees and we had some more reassigning to minor league camp just now as well with Bro, Rice, and and Gerber heading back down there. Two catchers and, and a right-handed pitcher. So with that being said, guys, that's the end of the social media segment. And that last piece of news just about wraps it up for episode 211. 
I obviously thank you all for leaving questions, whoever did, and whoever I didn't get to. You know, I appreciate you just as much for even thinking to interact with anything Yapping Yankees for even two seconds. Giving me any of your time at all is more than appreciated. You know that. So I'm eternally grateful for that. For you, everybody else who interacts with the show and left me questions today. If I didn't get to you, just keep on trying every week, guys. I'll get to you eventually. I got to, right? But nonetheless, that just about does it for episode 211, guys. As always, I do hope that you guys had as much fun listening as I did recording it and doing it for you guys, doing it up as fun as possible. I know today was more of just an information episode aside from the excitement that I showed early on in the show because spring training still ongoing, but the main theme, guys, just it's ongoing. The fun continues. There's a ceiling to it because exhibition time can only be so exciting, but also there is the extreme excitement of just having baseball back in general. And that's where a lot of the happiness is coming from. And I'm still just beaming with excitement here, guys. I'm so hyped. I just can't wait for the actual season to start. I'm going to be saying that more and more, especially in the next couple of weeks, when it's been a while that the exhibitions are going on. And eventually I'm just going to be like, all right, bring on the season. Let's go. (laughs) As of episode 211 today, guys... Hope you guys enjoyed. Just a few reminders, as always, before we end today. Follow me on all socials if you don't already. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter or X is at Mike Scudero. Instagram, Mike Scuds 97 Subscribe on all four of the platforms that Yapping Yankees is available on if you have not already. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four like you all always do such a great job of doing, my friends. Listen to any Yapping Yankees episodes you may have missed in the past. Episodes 34 up to episode 211 today are available on YouTube. And every Yapping Yankees episode since episode 1 all the way up to today are all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But once again, as always, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my good friends. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday yet again on March 10th when I come at you with episode 212 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, as always, as you always hear me say, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, go ahead and kick life's ass this week, my friends, no matter what lies in front of you. And as always, because it'll be continuing this week, of course, Just keep on watching Yankees baseball that we are so happy to have back, or any baseball in general. It's back on our televisions. Tune into what you can. Absorb as much as you can before the regular season starts, and it's time for all of us to start having our panic attacks yet again, which I just cannot wait for, of course. But otherwise, guys, what can I say? Just keep on enjoying spring training because it's still baseball nonetheless. Do not let anyone out there make you feel bad at all for being excited about spring training. Baseball is back, guys. You're allowed to be excited. More than allowed. The fun continues, so just keep having it. Don't let the people out there who are saying that Juan Soto's miserable here or that we're stuck with him, don't let them get to you. (laughs) But it is quite funny to keep on calling back on that. Like, uh, another day of Juan Soto being stuck here and being miserable even though our favorite sport in the world is back. You know I make a living on mocking these people. Anyway, until next Sunday, my friends, after the passing of another week being stuck with a generational talent, we shall yap again. But until then, take care, and let's go Yanks. Yanks.